Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. My name is Rick. I'm one of the ministers here, and we're really glad that, that you have joined us today. And if you're online, thank you for joining us. Open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. Now, if you have your cell phones, go ahead and open it up or get a Bible app or something or get online, just turn your ringer off. For me, I always like having my Bible with me because I can read it on my phone, but I can't remember it on my phone because I'm so visual. So I have to mark it and underline it or something like that. So if you have your Bibles, open it up because I want to show you a pattern out of the book of Mark today. Now, we've been in this series called Jesus Is. We started it last week. And as you can see in the video, he just described, the video just described a lot of different things about Jesus. He's the risen Savior. You know, he's the Messiah. He's Lord of all. He's the light of the world. The question really is not who is, you know, Jesus, but who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? And what have you discovered about Jesus and his, see the angels are singing and rejoicing. They're like, if that had been a lot louder, I'd have thought the second coming was here and we better all get ready. So, uh, so, but who is Jesus to you? Jesus is what? Last week we talked about Jesus is alive because it was Easter Sunday, right? And that is the whole message about Easter Sunday is that we as a religion are the only religion in the world who serve a risen Savior. No one else can claim that the one they follow has come back from the dead and lives eternally and is here to seek and save you, right? And the whole world. And so who is Jesus to you? And so today we're going to be talking about Jesus is amazing. And I'm going to do it out of the book of Mark. The gospel of Mark is an amazing book. So Mark has one word that he loves to say over and over and over when it comes to what he thinks about Jesus. Now, John Mark, who wrote this, was a traveling uh, missionary. He traveled with, with uh, Paul and he had heard, seen a lot of stuff about Jesus and so, as a salesman, he knew people buy based on two things, things they hear and things they experience. And so, if you're going to buy a car and you're talking to somebody, you're going, well, what have you heard about those Toyota Tundras? And, and well, what have you heard about that refrigerator? If you were going to build a house, who would you go to? And so, you talk and you talk and you get a reputation, you go online, you Google and you find out what does Consumer Reports say? What do people say about what it is that I'm interested in and what has been my personal experience about that. And that's all John Mark focuses on in his gospel. He focuses on three things. What was said, what was done, and how did people react? And so, he just jumps right into it. Now, if you love to ride the movie, the gospel of Mark is for you. Because he's not talking about genealogies. He doesn't talk about, he doesn't even go on as the birth of Jesus. Those are in other gospels. He just jumps right into the Jordan River with John the Baptist. And here's John the Baptist, and he's crying out with a loud voice saying, there's come someone coming after me, and he is so powerful, so mighty, so strong, I am not even worthy as a slave to bow down in front of him and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And one verse later, Jesus is in the water with John the Baptist getting baptized. The next verse, he's going into the Judean badlands, and he's being tempted for 40 days by Satan. And there's no dialogue. It's just two verses, and then it's off to work. 
finding disciples and recruiting them and feeding 500 or, or hundreds and, and uh, feeding 5,000, healing hundreds, tying up the tongues of the scholars, loosening the tongues of those who can't speak, touching the lepers who no one will get around. And then he's dying on a cross and coming back to life again. And Mark has one word that he says over and over and over and over. And that is this. People found Jesus amazing. Have you come yet to discover how amazing Jesus is? And today, John Mark is here to tell you, once you really get to know him, that's going to be about the only word you can come up with. He's amazing. He's He's so amazing. John uses this word over and over and over. So, you know, I just circled it. And when I was going through the gospel of Mark, I just started circling it. Chapter 1, verse 22. Jesus is amazing. 1, verse 27. Everybody was amazed and they debated among themselves, who teaches like this? Chapter 2, verse 12. And they were all amazed and glorifying God. Chapter 4, verse 41, they were very much afraid and amazed. Chapter 5, verse 20, and everyone marveled. Verse 42, they were completely astounded and amazed. Chapter 6, verse 2, and everybody was astonished. Chapter 7, verse 51, greatly astonished. Chapter 7, verse 37, utterly astonished. Chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter verse 24, chapter 10, amazed. Verse 26, even more amazed. And 32, completely amazed. And on and on and on, Mark goes just talking about how Jesus is amazing. And he uses several different words. He's, he's got five different Greek words, if you love studying Greek and pulling all that stuff out. And, and of course, you know, part of the word amazed, other synonyms are being amazed or being astonished or marveling with wonder. But it was more than that. The more you begin to study into the book of Mark, he begins to say they were suddenly struck with, with amazement. Like they could not believe that they were standing next to the Son of God. And they were, it suddenly struck them. Truly, this is the Son of God. Or he's got to be the Messiah. Nobody could do this kind of stuff. And it just hit them all of a sudden. Everything I believed has been wrong because I met this man named Jesus and he's amazing. Or they were almost terrified. He, done, he, he has done stuff and did stuff that was so amazing that it scared them. That they're like, this, this is this shouldn't happening. The winds and the I didn't I can't believe the winds and the waves obey him. I can't believe that the unclean spirits speak to him and call him the son of the most high God. And they were terrified and then to be changed, moved with amazement. Meaning, and he uses this word several times that people saw or heard something that Jesus did and it changed them forever. I was going down the road, I was living my life, and I was living one way, believing one thing. And then I met Jesus. And it completely changed me. It wrecked me. And now I can't do anything but follow him. So Jesus is amazing. And so based on the fact that Jesus is amazing, 
This is what I came to share with you today based on what John Mark says. Because Jesus is amazing, I should immediately trust him. And I thought about how did I want to word that? Because I started and I put, I can trust him. But my goodness, you didn't need to show up today to know that you can trust Jesus, right? And so I thought, well, I'm going to put, I should trust him. Because I know I can, but I should. But John Mark goes further. Because 51 times in the New Testament, the word immediately is used. And John uses, or John Mark, I keep calling him John. So in your book of Mark, John Mark uses the word 41 of those 51 times. 41 out of 51. 11 times in chapter 1 alone. And this is what you're going to find out at the end of it. And I'll talk about this near the end. But he's like, as soon as you come to really see Jesus for who he is, you should make an immediate decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? And you don't delay. Because the longer you delay, the more you'll talk yourself out of it. Until one day, a trumpet's going to sound, and your knees are going to hit the ground, and you're going to regret having always said no. And he's like, don't do it. So the day of salvation is today. So we're just going to jump right into it. Mark knows that there are these two things, what people say and what they experience. So I just want to start with what are people saying about Jesus? And here's the first thing they're saying. John Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Just the first three verses, he's like, let me tell you, I'm just going to start with this. He is the Son of God. The gospel. Now, watch the gospel. The, it's three things. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ proves he is the Son of God. He just makes that claim. And then he says, you want to know what other great people are saying about him? You want to know what Consumer Report says about him? You want to know what the prophets said about him? Well, Malachi said, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Malachi was talking about this man, Jesus. And Isaiah, verse 3, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Somebody's going to come, and they're going to declare. And they're going to say, I am preparing the way for someone who is the Messiah. Someone who's the Son of Man, the Son of God. And then the next few verses, you have John the Baptist and then you have Jesus right there with him. And the Holy Spirit ascending as a dove. And here God makes his claim. And so this is what God said. Immediately coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open up. And the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Chapter 1 verses 10 and 11. And so Mark just begins by saying, you want to know what the crowd's saying? You want to know what the people are saying? You want to know what the prophet said? And if that wasn't enough, if you were lucky enough to be standing on the Jordan River bank when Jesus was being baptized, as soon as he came up out of the water, the heavens opened up, this dove fell on his shoulder, and this voice spoke, and it was God, and we all heard it, and this is what he said when it comes to Jesus. He's my beloved son, and in him I am well pleased. And it's almost like Mark says, have you heard enough? Is that enough? 
Oh, it's not enough. Well, let me tell you what the unclean spirit, in, still in chapter 1, by the way, Mark chapter 1 is packed with stuff, right? Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You've heard from the prophets. You heard from God. And you're like, well, I don't know about God. Well, do you believe in demons? Let me tell you what they're saying. And if that's not enough, this is what Jesus said that just wrecked us. He spoke to the winds and the waves this one day, and he said, be quiet. Oh, hush and be still. And they obeyed. The wind died down, the sea died down, and we've never seen anything like that. Be quiet and come out of him, Jesus said to that unclean spirit, and it did. It obeyed him. We've never seen anything like that. I am. When Jesus was standing in front of Pilate and he said, are you the son of God? Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with clouds of heaven. And he's like, those are just the words of Jesus. And the apostles, who is this that the winds and the waves obey him? When it comes to the gospel of Mark, everybody had an opinion. And so all Mark is doing is saying, hey, you've come to me today to ask, hey, who is Jesus to you? You're trying to figure out what are you going to do with this man, Jesus? Just let me tell you, from the beginning of time, he was. And God planned to send him. And people proclaimed, one day he's coming, one day he's coming, one day he's coming. And we were standing on the Jordan River, just standing on the bank. And all of a sudden, we saw him, and he was baptized. And if that wasn't enough, the heavens opened up, and God spoke. And then this demon cried out. And then we just watched him, and we just followed him. And I'm telling you, we've never seen anything like this man, Jesus. And this is what Mark wants you to know. You should trust him immediately. And so the whole rest of his gospel, it's an event, what Jesus did, what the outcome was, and what people thought about it. And, that's the, and it's just one after another, after another, after another, after another. And over and over and over, you're going to find out Jesus is amazing. And so when you're talking to people, what do they say about Jesus? What do they say about other people? I mean, when you're walking around town, everybody has an opinion. You get in gossip circles, and all they're doing is talking about other people. Hopefully, you're not doing that. But if you're talking about Jesus, and people are just trying to figure it out, and they were to come to you and say, well, tell me, what do you think about Jesus? What do you have to share? What do you have to say? Do you have something personal in your life that Jesus has done for you that you would say, oh, man, do you have a minute? I want to tell you what he's done for me. I want to tell you. I want to tell you. You know, and so for us, for my wife and I, early on, early on, God was good. And he did things so amazing. We still today you know, just thank God for it. And it, it, people have all kinds of stories when it comes to children, those who live and those who don't. And it's so tragic 
And it's so unbelievable. In our own personal story, for those of you who've been around a long time, you know I've told this story over and over, but it was my er, one of my early times when we had a son, he was two years old, and he drank a bottle of poison. And he didn't drink the whole thing. I was just painting my in-law's house, and it was paint deglosser back when they put real chemicals and real products with, and things are so children friendly today that it's a little bit different but he drank this stuff and before we could even get him to the hospital his whole face was purple his eyes were swollen shut he was grabbing at his throat and the doctors went and took the bottle they called poison control and they came out and said let me tell you what's in this bottle you see here where it says fatal if swallowed it's a true statement and they said, if you, you being an adult, if you had a swallow of this stuff, you would be brain damaged and blind for life. But if, if your son only had a sip, it would have that effect on him. We believe he's had at least a couple of swallows. We've taken some samples and it's in his blood system. And you need to know today your son will die. And I was frozen to the floor I couldn't I couldn't move and all I as they like we're going to do everything we can and they took him out of my arms and rushed him into a room and put these tubes down into his stomach and tried to get his draw as much of that stuff out as they could and they were going crazy it was like everything was in fast motion but for me I was just I was stuck because I couldn't imagine life without my son. And finally, as I turned around and walked away, I went out into this big old waiting room area that was just packed on that Saturday morning. And they had a cell phone on the wall. Uh, not a cell phone. A, a, I can't even think of the right word now. They had a pay phone on the wall. And at that time, you could still put a dime in it. But if you're going to make a collect call, you didn't have to put anything in it. And I made a collect call to my father, who was a minister in a different city, different state. And I said, they just told me that Jonathan's going to die. This is what happened. Will you have your whole church pray? We went to a room, put him into a room. They had him hooked up with all this stuff, and he was going crazy. And all of a sudden, he, he just laid down and was out of it. And I'd keep shaking him, you know, because I, I just wanted to. I knew when he went to sleep, he would not wake up, you know. And, and I just shook him until I couldn't keep him awake anymore. And then the doctors, the nurses would come in and they would draw blood out of his heel, you know, about every hour. So they left, but then they came back in after about 20, 30 minutes and they said, we need to draw more blood. And I said, well, what's going on? This was three in the morning. And I said, what's going on? And they said, well, we can't tell you. And I said, you can't tell me. So I woke up, and I'm looking to see if he still had a heartbeat, and he did. And, uh, and I woke up my wife, and they said, well, the doctor will come down and see you here in a little bit. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And the doctor walked down the hall, and this is what he said to me, word for word. Whew. You know, Mr. Hazlip. We don't know what happened, but we can't find any trace of the poison anywhere in your son's body. 
If you're religious, you know who to thank for this one. You can go home in the morning. And he walked down the hall, and I'm stunned. You know what I mean? And I'm like, who, who is this God that has been so good to us? And I want to tell you, I did not deserve it. I was not living. I, I ended up getting into ministry. I was a painting contractor. I, I was a mess of a man. A mess of a man. But my eyes were open to one thing. Jesus Christ is amazing. Sometimes he opens your eyes in a tragedy. Sometimes he opens your eyes in a blessing. But he's always trying to open your eyes to how good he is. And I know in our situation it's very different than in other people's situations. But all God wants to do is save you. He wants you to know that Jesus Christ is amazing. And he's here to rescue you. And if he had not rescued our son, he still would have been amazing and I still would follow him. Because life doesn't end in death. It's just the doorway to what God has really prepared us for. So I'm not afraid of death. And I hope you're not either. I'm looking forward to what's on the other side. Where our real home is. And Mark is wanting to lead you there. So number two, he says, let me share with you his actions. And if you've been around me any length of time, you know that I love Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5. And this is supposed to say Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, or Mark chapter 5. It's almost the first 20 verses of this chapter. And so, in chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, this is when Jesus had a very long day. And he's tired. He's worn out. And yet, there's somebody he has to go see. And he wants to see him at night. And he wants to see him at a certain time. And so Jesus says to his apostles, this is all in chapter 4, get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. This was the Sea of Galilee, and over on the southeast side, there was this, ten cities around it, this place called the Garrisons. And he wants to go across a six-mile, four to six-mile trip. And so the Bible says when evening had come, they got in the boat and they started rowing. And now it's dark and the apostles are just rowing six miles to the other side because Jesus wants to meet with this guy. And a storm comes up and the winds are blowing hard and the waves are breaking into the boat and the boat's starting to sink and they're dipping out as fast as they can and Jesus is asleep. And they didn't want to wake him up, but they couldn't help it. Because they're like, we're about to drown, we're going under, and Jesus is asleep. Somebody wake him up. Well, I don't want to wake him up. He's had a long day. He's really tired. Wake him up because we're dying. They're like, okay. So they wake Jesus up, and he stands up, and he says to the wind, hush. And he says to the sea, be still. And the clouds are gone, and the waves are gone, and the gentle ripple is hitting up next to the boat. And Jesus is like, are you guys okay? Don't you have faith in me? Don't you know I'm going to take care of you? And they're saying to each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? And they were amazed. It's late. It's early in the morning. It's probably 1, 2 in the morning. And they pull up to the other side of the sea into the country of the garrisons. Now the apostles are already scared to death because they've just discovered that the wind and the waves listen to this man Jesus. 
And then when he got out of the boat, immediately, here's this word again. Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with the chain. Where did the man live? At a cemetery. And that cemetery is not like our cemeteries today. It was a rocky cliff, and they would drill holes. They would make these holes in the middle of the cliff, and they would take their loved one, and they would put them in that hole. And there, it was open air decay, and so nobody stayed around in that area. But this man was so bad, they kicked him out of their city and chained him up and made him live in the graveyard. Now, if you're already scared to death and a storm happened and you're amazed at Jesus and it's three in the morning and you go to a graveyard, what's the last thing you want to see? Anything alive. Am I right? <laughs> and so they're scared to death. They're in the boat. They immediately come up from And all of a sudden, this madman with an unclean spirit comes running out of the tombs up to the boat. Now, what do you think this guy looked like? How long do you think it had been since he had had a bath? Or put on deodorant? Or combed his hair or brushed his teeth. Now, by the way, you can read another one of the Gospels. And the Bible says that this man had not worn clothes in a very long time. So there's that image for you. <laughs> and because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Not only was he naked and that dirty, but he had been cutting himself with stones day and night. So he's bloody and infection running all down and he's scratching off all of the scabs. And, and this guy is so strong, they chained him, but he broke the shackles and chains. Now, the chains, I don't know how strong you have to be to break a chain. Any of you in here strong enough to break a bicycle chain? Or something you would even put around your wrist? Oh, I'm strong enough to break a little binky piece of jewelry. But what about a chain and a shackle, which is just this iron, I mean, this whole iron and that's wrapped around? I don't even know how he got them off of his ankles and his arms. Unless he just grabbed some of the rocks and just kept hitting them until he finally broke them. So this guy is super strong. And he's got on no clothes. And he's not the healthiest looking guy. And he's got blood and cuts all over him. And he's a screamer. And he's running at you in the middle of the night out of the tomb. Out of the graveyard. What do you do? <laughs> I mean, if somebody like that is running up to you, what are you going to do? What did the apostles do? I don't know either. They didn't get out of the boat. They're not even in the story. We don't know where they are. They're scared. All we know is that Jesus gets out of the boat and seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up to him. And bowed down before him, shouting with a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And then he begged him, I implore you, my God, do not torment me. Whew. 
For he had been saying in him, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. Now, I want you to know, before we finish the story, Jesus couldn't wait to get to this man. He had had a long day. And you can go back and read it in Mark chapter 3 and in Mark chapter 4. And he was worn out. But Jesus said, we've got to go over to the other side of this sea because there's somebody that I've got to talk to. And he didn't even tell the apostles about it. Jesus just knew, I've got to go over there to get to this man. And you may not feel like you are worth being pursued by Jesus. You may feel like my life is so terrible. Why would Jesus ever want me? And this story is for you. This story is so that you'll know how far Jesus is willing to go to get to someone like you and me. And he was asking him, this is Jesus, what is your name? And he said to him, it's got a little star next to it, and he said to him, which is the man didn't even speak, it was the demons that spoke, my name is Legion for we are many. And then he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. The demons were like, don't send us out of here, Jesus. Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. Now, this is Mark. Now, Mark knows how to write a good story. Because he's like, this is tense. And you're at the, I mean, we're now at the pivotal part of the movie. And everybody's on the edge of their seat, and everybody's scared to death. They're wondering what's going to happen. And then he interjects, well, there was a large herd of about 2,000 pigs, you know, over on the mountain. And the demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And Jesus said, okay. And coming out of the unclean spirits, they entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea figure that out then all of a sudden here's this man and in him are 2,000 demons I don't even understand it all I know is that guy was not in good shape he was messed up and if you would have if anybody would have asked do you think anything good can ever come out of this man they would have been like are you crazy Have you been around him for any length of time? That's why we kicked him out of our city. That's why we're scared to death of this man. Of course nothing good can come out of him. But if you were to ask Jesus, do you think anything good could ever come out of that man? Jesus is like, are you crazy? I'm going to go way out of my way on a very tired day just for him. You'll see. Amazing things begin to happen when Jesus gets involved. And all of a sudden, those 2,000 evil spirits jump one each into a pig. And 2,000 pigs squeal and spin and spin and jump off a cliff and cliff dive into the sea and drown. I don't know what time it is. Probably 3 in the morning in our story. And the herdsmen ran away and reported in the city and the county. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down. Thank the good Lord. (laughs) 
and in his right mind. And very much the, the, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Some of your Bibles will use this word, and they'll say, and they were amazed. They were scared to death. This is one of the times when he used the word amazing, and they were terrified. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened, the demon-possessed man, all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. Funniest thing in the story to me is that at 3 in the morning, the pig herdsmen go into the town, knock on all the doors, and everybody gets up and goes out to the tomb. Everybody goes out to the graveyard at 3 in the morning. The whole city. And when they get there, they see that man dressed in his right mind. They told him the story about the pigs. And all they could think to do with Jesus is tell him to leave. And as he was getting into the boat, what did he do? What did Jesus do? Did he stay or leave? So this is the other thing that I would tell you. If you don't want Jesus in your life, he won't force his way in. You invite him in. He's come a long way to save you. But if you don't want him, he'll leave. And as he was getting back in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. Jesus, please let me go with you. Please let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go. I want you to go home. I want you to go home to your wife or to your kids. I want you to go home to your people. I, just, I want you to go, go home and report to them the great things that I have done for you. How that I have showed mercy to you. And the man went and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everybody was of course they were. Do you know Jesus only went back to that area one more time in his ministry? And you have it recorded in your Bible that when Jesus' boat pulled up to that area of town, people knew that he was coming. And there were so many people waiting to see Jesus, he couldn't even get out of the boat. Do you think that man did his job? Jesus wants to rescue your life. And he wants to heal you. The question is, will you let him? And he wants your response to be immediate. Immediately. This is just in chapter 1. The heavens were opened up. Immediately, the Spirit impelled him to go. Immediately, they followed him. Immediately, they followed him. Immediately, he taught. Immediately, news spread. Immediately, the leprosy was healed. Forty-one times... Mark is saying, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Jesus is amazing. And you should immediately trust him. And that's the gospel of Mark. What will you do with Jesus? He is waiting for you. He's running to you. And you can trust him. You want to pray together?